1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance of the USA Wealth Group. It's time to get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Money Wise, brought to you every Sunday morning by USA Wealth Group. You can find us at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. You can call us at 508-998-8858. Or you can visit our website, usawealthgroup.com. Thank you so much for listening. Today is a very special day. Today we are recording the show actually on Wednesday, June 19th, and it will be broadcast on Sunday. But today is a very special day because it's the anniversary of the birth of Nicholas Wayne Fernandez. Um, Nick was born on June 19th, and joining me this morning is his dad, uh, Brian Fernandez. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Gray. Thanks for having me. And Nicholas, uh, Nick Fernandez died 11 years ago by suicide, by taking his own life. And today we're going to be talking about the subject of suicide because it's a very, very important subject. So, Brian, uh, thank you for being with us. You did this once before, Mm -hmm. and we felt it was such an important topic that we thought we needed to do this again. And suicide, the subject of suicide at all age levels, but especially with younger kids, is still very much in the news even this morning, as I was riding into my office, WBZ had a story. I didn't, I couldn't hear the context of it because they just did it as a little blurb, and they said uh, nationally, teen suicides are on the increase again, yes. uh, which is well, unfortunate. All, um, all, actually, all suicides are on the in- increase since 2005. Uh, from 2008, they were about 11.8 uh, per, uh, per hundred thousand uh, people. And in 2017, we're up to 14 uh, people per 100,000. Teen suicide, especially, uh, it's the second leading cause of death for people between 10 and 34 years of age. Which is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing to think about. Well, first of all, I'd like to say um, a little bit about Brian. Uh, Brian is a friend of mine. Uh, He's my Masonic brother. He's a member of the Star in the East Masonic Lodge in New Bedford. We actually go to the same church, the Congregational Church of South Dartmouth, and Brian shares another piece of history with me, um, even though I'm much older than you are, Brian. Uh, Brian and I both served in the Marine Corps, so sometimes we joke and I call Brian my brother-brother. Yep. Semper Fi. Hoorah, but thank you for being here, Brian. So we're, we're going to be talking about this very important subject of suicide, and especially teen suicide, and we've got a lot of information to give you today. Uh, one of the things I was talking about with some folks in my office is that it's a well-established fact that teenage brains just don't mature. I mean, they physically haven't grown enough. The chemicals haven't done what they're supposed to do until kids, and I'm going to use that word on purpose, reach around the age of 21 or 22. So if you have an average 16-year-old, 17-year-old, 18-year-old, their brains simply haven't fully developed yet. And it's a, it's a physical fact, and it's well-established. So Correct. And that, you know, compiled with the stresses of social media today and um, many other factors, uh, you know, that has contributed to the increase of, you know, young, peop- young suicides. Well, I can't imagine what it's like for any parent to go through uh, losing a child, but uh, 
Mm-hmm. Losing a child by way of suicide is even uh, more difficult, I would imagine, because you're probably always looking for answers and you're mm-hmm. asking why and did I miss something? Did I not right. see something? So I think I think that the second part you mentioned, I mean, initially everybody asked why. You know, I, I pretty much am, am strengthened to the fact that I know why. You know, he suffered from uh, an undiagnosed or improperly treated mental illness, mm-hmm. which is what 90% of people who take their own life, um, you know, suffer from. Mm-hmm. People lose their, you know, their wives leave them every day. They lose their jobs. The stock market crashes. They don't take their own lives. But the people who do, many times that, that suicide is attributed to those factors. But in reality, it was because they had uh, an underlying mental health issue and had been contemplating suicide all along and then didn't have the functional ability to handle that certain situation. So I, I do believe, you know, he, he had a mental health issue. He also, it was also compiled with a, a negative reaction to a prescription medication mm-hmm. that he had been uh, prescribed. Um, so the, I would go with the second part and say that, yeah, so as a father, you know, I don't blame myself for his death, but I do feel responsible. I mean, you're, you're as a parent, you're responsible for your children, and and yes, I do say that's something I should have caught. It's something I should have uh, paid attention to, and so that's all I'm trying to do for the last 11 years is um, tell parents to be vigilant, tell people to be vigilant. You know, there are signs; they're difficult to spot because uh, teens are, you know, very frenetic. They have a lot of things going on that that normal teens do that may be thought of as suicidal tendencies. But I, what I would say as a baseline is to say if you're kid is an outgoing kid and he's very active and class clown and joking and all of a sudden he's very reserved well that's a change in behavior and if your child is very reserved and all of a sudden he's acting out that's a change in behavior so any drastic change in behavior for a prolonged period of time is something that you would want to you know pay attention to and you know what parents really aren't experts either um we we talk about teenage behavior and the difficulty of teenage years. I can remember my own teenage years. I can remember my kids' teenage mm-hmm. years. Number one, they often don't communicate. Uh, they keep things to themselves. They're embarrassed or they're afraid to talk about it or there's peer pressure involved. So number one, they simply don't communicate a lot of the time. Number two, none of us are really experts in watching behavior. So you have to sort of sit back sometimes, I think, and just listen and see if there's something else that you could figure out. But it, it's really hard. I know sometimes I can communicate better with my grandchildren than my son does with his own children because I'm a different authority level in a way and, and, um, I don't take any crap from them and so forth. I can't imagine what it's like now, you know, communication has broken down overall levels, right? With phones, you know, uh, smartphones, people are, you know, more connected. I, I can't imagine what it's like to try to communicate with your child today when, you know, his parents really are smartphones sometimes. Sure. And and that also, I think, is leading to the uptick. You know, those constant, you know, light impulses to the brain, an undeveloped brain, you know, is getting overloaded and, and with those uh, those light impulses from, uh, from too much technology. Too much you know? technology yeah. is really a good statement. And think yeah. about what happens today. I mean, I see my grandchildren sometimes spending hours at a time on a, an iPad or a laptop um, doing video games. Yeah. And not only that, but, you know, sometimes we'll have our, our grandchildren with us and we'll go out of, out of state and to a vacation home or something like that. 
and they'll be on their laptop communicating with their friends back in Massachusetts, playing a video game together rather than going outside to see what's outside. Right. So they're exactly. constantly on computers and games. Yep. yep. So that's an issue today. Well, um, as we go through the show today, I want to mention that um, I have three very personal examples of uh, suicide either in uh, family members. Uh, in my case, I've got two family members that were involved in suicide. And in another case, somebody who was um, considered to be a close friend. And uh, I'll talk about that a little bit later. But I, I venture to say, Brian, and we're talking with Brian Fernandes, that probably many, many people listening today know of somebody who has taken their life by suicide or has somebody in their family who has taken their life by suicide. It's not an unusual problem anymore, is it? <laughs> it is not. I, you know, and you don't, I just recently had an experience where I, you know, gave the scholarship over at St. James School. We give a scholarship at St. James School for a student seeking a, um, a degree in a vocational or technical fields. And then we give a scholarship at New Bedford Vogue to the visual design program. And as I was walking out of the celebration, and I had spoke when I gave the scholarship, and as I was walking out, there's an elderly couple, and they pulled me aside, and they said, thank you for talking openly about suicide. And, you know, my, my son, when he was in college, which must have been at least, uh, they were in their 80s probably, so it must have been at least 50 years prior, mm-hmm. you know, had taken his, he had suffered from schizophrenia and taken his own life in college. And I, I think it's until you, you know, meet somebody who has experienced suicide in their life that you feel comfortable talking about. That Maybe that might be the first time in their entire life that they had, been able to talk openly about their son's death. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of stigma surrounding it. That's why I'm here, you know, is to talk uh, about it as much as I can, you know, to get people aware of it. It's definitely something that affects a lot of people. Just a, a statistic, I think, to me, until you lay these out, it's, it's people don't understand it's shocking to them. So in Massachusetts, these are the last recorded statistics, 2017, we had 146 homicides and we had 306 traffic accidents. Would you like to guess how many suicides we, we had, Ray? 300. 631. Wow. So 146 homicides, 306 traffic accidents, and we had 631 suicides. Uh, that's, that's recorded suicides. Many suicides go unrecorded because sure. they're, they're looked or perceived as accidental deaths. They don't really know. People hit a bridge abutment or overdose or mm-hmm. there's many things. Um, so that, That's an amazing number, though, Brian, yeah. to think that there are far more suicides than there are homicides yep. and traffic accident deaths combined. Right. And, and because people don't talk about it and it's not openly discussed, you know, I, I, I think that's the real tragedy in suicide of, of, other than the obvious death of the people who are suffering is that people who lose people to suicide are not entitled almost to properly grieve. Mm-hmm. You know, they grieve in, in mm-hmm. private, sure. uh, sometimes in their own family. They don't even mention the person's name again. So and I, that is changing, though. Um, Suicide was definitely more stigmatized when Nicholas uh, passed 11 years ago. Now uh, we have uh, many people. I remember President Obama speaking at the State of the Union mentioning mental health and suicide. So a lot of people are are talking about it more, and I think that because they are, we're going to be happy. And maybe that's a little bit of the uptick, right? So maybe we're finding out about more suicides. Mm -hmm. And maybe, so I'm hoping that's, because here in New Bedford, the greater New Bedford uh, suicide Prevention Coalition has done a great job um, in, although suicides are up in our area this year, unfortunately, 
youth suicides, you know, have been nearly you know, under the age of 24 have been nearly eliminated since the form formation of that group. So that's that's a great thing. Well, I'd like to get back to your personal situation a little bit, Brian. Um, Brian Fernandez is a friend of mine, um, a Masonic brother of mine, a Marine Corps brother of mine, and I have a high regard for things that I've seen him do. Um, I, I can imagine it was extremely difficult when this first happened. Um, I can't imagine it, obviously, because I've never gone through that kind of an event. But I know that after a period of grieving, you actually created some positive action. You took some positive steps to make a difference, and you created something called the Nicholas Wayne Fernandez Memorial Foundation. And I guess that was uh, created around 2008. Is that around the time you did that? Uh, initially, it started out as a scholarship in 2008. We, uh, after 2009, when I went to uh, the funeral of a friend of Nick's who had taken his own life and had been at Nick's funeral, you know, I found myself frustrated uh, mm. with the because, uh, like like others, in the first year, I kind of hid, sure, and and kept the pain to myself. And so after that, then I decided that I needed to do more than just uh, give scholarships. I tell the kids when I give the scholarships, we have enough <laughs> memorial scholarships. You know, live your life, make a lot of money, and leave an endowment to the school, and then they'll name a building after you. You know what I mean? We have enough memorial scholarships. So at that point, I decided to then do more about preventing suicide and, and helping people who are, you know, affected and, uh, and getting it out in the open. So it became the foundation, I believe, in 2010. We incorporated, like, I think 2012. So we're a 501c3. Okay. So you're a nonprofit organization, mm -hmm. and I know that you have had meetings with the New Bedford School Committee, mm -hmm. um, and I also know that you were uh, very instrumental in working with not only the school committee but local state representatives in having a very important amendment to state legislature. So in Massachusetts right now, there is a special statute, which is uh, for public schools. It's Chapter 71, Section 38Q. And it's called Professional Development Plans, Statewide Assistance Plans. And one of the things that you did is you lobbied for this legislation. Um, who was the state representative uh, who helped you? Was it Antonio Cabral? I was going to say, I thought it was uh, Tony Cabral who helped you with that. And I think you can both be proud of what you accomplished. So there was an amendment to this statute which provides for professional development that says um, a professional development plan shall also include training in the area of suicide prevention and training to assist educators in the identification of at-risk children. Yeah, so I think this is very important. We, you know, we didn't want to add any other burdens onto teachers, you know, so we didn't add another thing. We just said they have to do so much professional development anyway, so we said one of those components every two years needs to be suicide prevention. We also you know, found that many teachers were trying to, you know, solve the problem, these kids' problems on their own, you know, to the, te to the credit of the teachers. And what we really need is just an identification process and then a referral. We call it QPR. It's like CPR. Mm -hmm. So we just wanted to provide the teachers with another tool into how to identify, um, you know, suicidal ideation in students and then what to do when you have, you know, the referral process, what to do. So, Q is question, P is persuade, R is refer. And it's, so it's just like CPR. If you, you may have a student who would suffer. You know, they have defibrillators in schools now. They have, sure. So these things are happening anyway. So we just want to give the teachers the tools 
to, to handle those situations, not to add more burden to them. If anything, to release the burden and say, hey, this is where you can direct, uh, you know, you can refer these students to without them panicking, thinking that they're going to get locked up somewhere, mm -hmm. right? you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, overreacting to situations because that can happen sometimes and which is a reason that somebody might want to share, not want to share that they're, they may have a mental health issue, you know. Did it take a while to get this legislation through? It took through? a long time, you know, it was, and it went, uh, you know, nearly unopposed, uh, but so, but yes, it's, you know, you find out about politics, how long things, it's a things slow take. Process. It ended up actually being part of a bigger bill, um, uh, of, I think it was an anti-violence bill. And so, and so many other things were done. The suicide prevention hotline is on the back of every uh, firearm license. Um, there's a, the suicide hotline is posted in every gun store. Mm -hmm. That was part of it. There was other funding for, um, you know, mental health, uh, you know, s support in schools. So a lot of good stuff. I know Vogue, every freshman, New Bedford Vogue, every freshman as part of their uh, first year, they go through a suicide uh, prevention class. Uh, oh, that's good class. to hear. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. So is it New Bedford Public Schools and the Vogue School? I only know of it uh, taking place at the Vogue School right now. Oh, the Vogue School, okay. Yeah. Um, have you done lectures? I thought, I remember you have done lectures to uh, student bodies in various schools systems. We have, yeah. I, I, I did one at um, Old Rochester Regional mm -hmm. um, in 2009, and I also did um, to the that was to a, a select group of students, and then I also did to the entire uh, faculty of New Bedford Vogue uh, a couple of years ago. I did a, we did a, they did a, it was a two, a, one, a whole day thing. Half of it was bullying, which I did not, uh, Kevin Lee uh, took mm -hmm. care of that, and the other half was, uh, and actually Jim O'Brien, who's the yep. principal there now. And the other half was uh, myself did uh, on suicidal okay. ideation. And do you ever, I, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but do you ever ask people to reach out to you if they have a question about suicide or need to talk to somebody or get professional help from somebody? I don't, I don't necessarily ask people to. I mean, I have had many people just because I'm kind of known for it. So, uh, but I'm, Anytime I see somebody that I think may be in a crisis or have somebody uh, who is in a crisis, I definitely tell them, you know, call me. I, you know, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a doctor. I'm just an advocate. So I right. usually refer them again to other to other people. You know, Reverend Lima of the Inner Church Council, who heads the Great Effort Suicide Prevention Coalition, has been very helpful in directing me to the right places, whether that be child and family services or crisis uh, hotlines or what have you but they should talk to somebody absolutely basically. absolutely yeah well i know that you've done uh lectures to student bodies before and is, is that something you intend to continue to do in the future yeah i always make myself available mm -hmm. you know for uh i tell i tell people <laughs> you know i'll talk to one person or i'll talk to you know a thousand people um we usually have an event the great new bedford coalition uh usually has a, an event once a year and sometimes i will speak at that or basically when I, I don't really like solicit myself, sure. right. But I, but I, everybody kind of knows that I'm available if, if they want to. And, mm -hmm. and so I, I do do that. Well, we'll come up with some telephone numbers for uh, suicide prevention hotlines as well. But, um, you still do scholarships through the Nicholas Wayne Fernandez uh, Memorial Foundation? We do. We do. Yep. This is, this was a good time of year. We just gave out, uh, seven scholarships at New Bedford Vogue. We, the first four years, of uh, after Nick passed away, we it was a um, uh, you know based on your you know your academic achievements. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but then after that, uh, I wanted to do something that was more in his spirit. 
you know, Nick was a very smart kid, but school really, to be honest with you, wasn't his, you know, thing. He, he, he focused on other stuff. He had other goals in mind. And so I, through the help of the principals there, we developed uh, a program at St. James where, uh, you know, it would be to a student who was seeking a, a career in a vocational field. And then at New Bedford Vogue, Nick wanted to be an artist. He wanted to travel and, and draw. He, he drew all the time. And so we set up a program with the visual design program there at Vogue, which has been very great. I love, you know, these students are getting recognition, uh, many of them for the first time. We even sure. had, uh, we even invited all of them back for a hot night, uh, which we had at one of the local restaurants and all of the students from that had received our past scholarships um, had came and with their artwork mm-hmm. was on display there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was great for the kids too. So there's a gentleman who used to work at Fidelity. He was very successful uh, in growing uh, the Fidelity Corporation, Peter Lynch, and he once said, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Suicide is a choice, and I think if we work with that with kids, we'll get somewhere. So a lot of people have chimed in on the subject of uh, suicide. Mm-hmm. I want to comment on one thing. The last time we talked about suicide, you said, you don't use the phrase somebody committed suicide. Yeah. And can you explain what that means and why you don't use that? I've been very careful right. not to say right. that. Today. I'm not a very politically correct person t- normally, but I think words do matter in how we want to teach, right? What, what message we want. So when you commit suicide, that comes from, you know, an old view of it that it was a sin, right? So you mm-hmm. commit sins, you commit murder, uh-huh. you know, okay. you commit perjury, you commit suicide, right? So it, it puts a very... You know, it punishes the the person who really was suffering from an illness that society, you know, uh, didn't <laughs> through through partially, absolutely through their own fault many times. You know, but society hadn't treated properly. So I think when you say died by suicide, it's specific. It's it's the manner mm-hmm. in which they died. Right. You know, so they died by suicide, or they. That's a great explanation. Know. So, so it, I'm glad to know that explanation, Brian, because. Um, yeah. I, I've been very careful not to use that phrase this yeah. morning in our discussions. Yeah. But um, there's article after article after article, and it's recent, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's an article that was on um, May 20th, 2019, um, and it comes out of CNN. Suicide rates amongst America's young people continue to soar. And as I mentioned, there was a story just this morning as I was on my way into the office on WBC saying the same thing. So it is certainly a problem. There's definitely an increase in the 15 to 24 year olds, the 15 to 19 year olds especially, and especially amongst young men. And I don't know why it's more amongst young men, but. um, Well, usually it's the form of uh, the method of suicide that they choose, right? So, you know, women will typically choose, you know, pills or, or some other type of you know, way to take their own life, whereas men many times will use a firearm and, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, more completed suicides with a firearm, whereas somebody takes pills, you may have a chance to, uh, to you know, take care of that. You know, 54% of all completed suicides uh, are by firearm. Mm-hmm. 70% of suicides are males, white males. So um, I just think that it's the reason that men are so much higher. Women actually attempt suicide at a higher rate than men. Okay. But it's just the completed suicides. And, again, it's because of the method. 
okay. that a man will typically use a firearm. All right. And access to firearms is, is actually a big thing. You know, Massachusetts is 48th in the suicide rate. So we're very good. We're, we're only there's it's fairly low compared second to from the states. bottom. And, um, and fif- only 15% of those were by firearm. And so I think um, the gun laws in Massachusetts, which some may not agree with, definitely um, have contributed to a lower suicide rate than in some states where guns are more accessible. Okay. This particular article, by the way, um, if anybody wants a copy of this or any of the other information mm-hmm. that we're talking about today, uh, give us a call at 508-998-8858, and we're happy to provide any of these articles uh, this was republished by CNN on June 18th, 2019, so it's very recent information. We're going to take a very short break, and when we come back, um, Brian, I want to give you some information about um, some stories about my own personal involvement with suicide in my own family and family members that um, I think maybe some people might relate to, but it is a problem. Stay tuned. We'll be right back, and we'll rejoin Brian Fernandez, and again, Today, actually, in some ways, we're celebrating Nicholas's birthday, aren't we? Absolutely. I, yep, I think June this 19th. was a perfect. When you told me that was one of the days that you had available, I said, you know, this is this is a great way to celebrate Nick's life, yep. you know, and to, you know, uh, be a voice for him, um, you know, uh, for the situation he went through. And I think it's, it's, it's perfect timing. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, and continue this uh, interesting discussion with Brian Fernandez. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Money Wise. Today we have a difficult topic, but it's a really important topic. We're talking about the subject of suicide and especially teen suicide, but it's it's all age brackets. There's been so much in the news lately. It's uh, more publicized uh, than it has been in the past, which I think is a good thing. And welcome back to Brian Fernandes. Thank you, uh, Ray. Brian is uh, my special friend, my Marine Corps brother, my Masonic brother. And we happen to go to the same church. But, um, Brian, um, today, as we said earlier, is a very special day because it's the anniversary of the birth of your son, Nicholas. Absolutely. Uh, who died. And, oh, I'm sorry. Right? He died but I, I just wanted to say that, you know, I had 18 great years. You know, I, yep. that's what I try to focus on. I tell people all the time that, you know, it seems every time I talk about Nicholas, we're talking about suicide. But there was so much more to his life and, and who he was. And uh, he was an outstanding human being and, and was very uh, loving to everyone he knew and very giving of himself. And so I tell everybody that, you know, I, I refuse to let him be identified by one act in his life or mm-hmm. one, you know, day in his life. And, and more so by the 18 years that, that he was on this earth. So I tell people, you know, talk about what happened to, you know, your, your loved one because it is important. But for every minute you talk about, the way they died, you know, talk 10 minutes about the way they lived. So, sure. so I really love that this is uh, Nick's birthday. I do feel this is a way to celebrate his life and, um, and to, in some way, you know, help other people bring attention to other people that they won't have to be on the other side of this microphone and, you know, mm-hmm. someday. By the way, um, we're not really talking a lot about legal services. There's really nothing you can do, uh, nothing much you can do with legal services to um, prevent somebody from taking their life by suicide. But one recommendation that I've mentioned before in this program is that if you have a a child, a son or a daughter going off to college, if they have any kind of a medical problem, um, 
you need to create a couple of simple documents before they go off to school, and it should be just as important as paying the tuition for their college, and that is they should have a durable power of attorney and they should have a health care proxy. Because if they have a medical need and they're 18 years of age, legally you can't even look at their medical records to find out what's going on just because they're your child and you're still paying their way. Um, have them sign a durable power of attorney and a health care proxy so if you need to make some decisions for them or be able to intervene and look at their medical records when there's a crisis, you could do so. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Brian, I have to lighten up here just a little bit. Absolutely. And give you some nonsense about the Marines. Okay, let's do it. So um, <laughs> this is from Father Kevin Keeney. He was a chaplain at the first with the 1st Marine Division in the Korean War, where my dad also fought. You cannot exaggerate about the Marines. They are convinced to the point of arrogance that they are the most ferocious fighters on earth. And the amusing thing about it is that they are. You like that one? I like it. I like it. Although I don't know if that would describe me today, but oh. <laughs> I'm a pretty passive guy now. <laughs> well, but, but it's funny. Time. It's funny when you go to the uh, Marine Corps uh, uh, celebrations on our birthday on November 10th, yep. and uh, you see all these guys with pot bellies, and they're yep. no longer in shape they were, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Right. But when they get called to attention, they suck in their gut and they stand at attention, don't they? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That pride is always there. And then this is my favorite all-time quotation about Marines I have to give you from Ronald Reagan. Oh, I, I know. I have a you show with on. Go ahead. Some people spend an entire lifetime yeah. wondering if they made a difference in the world, but the Marines don't have that problem. Absolutely. So that's one of those, I have that on a shirt. <laughs> that's one of those arrogance remarks. <clears throat> well, I want to give you some further information um, that – uh, we've talked about the severity of the problem and the fact that suicide is an issue that does touch a lot of lives in a lot of different ways. So uh, you know Tenny, my wife, attorney Tenny Lance. Yes. Her brother took his life by suicide. And the sad part is that he was a medical doctor. He was an ophthalmologist. Uh, he did eye surgeries. And you never know what the full reason is that somebody takes their life, but what he did was uh, he was in a very serious car accident. He was driving a brand-new Volvo station wagon, and there were two uh, cars with uh, kids in them racing, coming at him, and he was totally off the road on the shoulder, and his car was hit head-on, and his whole facial cavity was crushed. He had crushed sinuses, and uh, he was in the hospital for a long time, um, I think he might have been a Navy doctor at the time that that occurred. Um, and for the rest of his life, he never had a day in his life where he didn't have pain, significant facial pain. Whether it was that or whether it was something else, I don't know. But the one other thing about suicide is that sometimes people give a warning sign. So here he was a medical doctor, and he took phenobarbital, which is a very slow-acting drug. It takes hours and hours and hours. Uh, he took an overdose of that to try to take his own life, and they took him to the hospital, and he recovered from that. Um, he was under some psychiatric treatment after that, but then ultimately he took his life by being in a garage and having the car run. So when you have the warning signs, if you see a warning sign, if you see an attempt or you're concerned about somebody, I guess you should talk to them about it first thing. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, an attempt is... is the number one uh, sign that someone will attempt again. Um, but after the good news is after 
receiving treatment, most will never attempt again if, if they receive proper medical treatment, whether that be, um, you know, I explain it a lot like a heart condition, right? So some people, there's three components, you know, you need some, it's medication, it's, it's counseling, and it's, um, uh, and it's a behavioral modification. So like, it's just like a heart condition, right? So if some, some heart conditions, you know, you're overweight, you need to do a mm -hmm. little exercise and, and you're all set. Other heart conditions take medication and some need, um, you know, uh, surgery you know, or hospitalization. So same thing in this situation. It's the brain is an organ. I really try to reduce it to that level mm -hmm. because when people call it a behavioral or mental health condition, and it gives the assumption that somehow the person could somehow change their factors, right? right. So that you're, you're a doctor friend who actually suicide is the number one rate of death for doctors. So, um, you know, that they could somehow change their circumstances. So, cause you talk to people who who died, uh, who have attempted suicide and survived, and they and they say that they just wanted the pain to stop, right? So, mm -hmm. so same thing with the heart condition. You know, if I if I climb a mountain, if you and I climb a mountain, you know, and I have and I have a heart attack and die, did I die because I climbed the mountain, or did I die because I had the heart condition, right? So this is the same sure. thing with suicide. They don't die because their wife leaves them. They die because they have a mental health issue, mm -hmm. and then their wife leaves them, and that leads to the the suicide attempt. And we've never done enough in this country to treat right. mental health. We've closed right. uh, hospitals in Massachusetts. We've closed clinics. Right. And right. There's just not enough beds. We I don't have, all the time. no. Nope. Yeah. But if you have, and the brain being the most complex organ, but if you have an issue with your kidneys or your lungs or your heart, there's no, nobody tells you there's no beds available. You nope. know what I mean? Nope. I want to I read to you from an article that was on April 13th, 2019. Mm -hmm. So this is very recent. Uh, Wall Street Journal one teenager killed himself, then six more followed. This was in Utah. Um, eight months to the day that this uh, family's son killed himself, um, a police car raced by, and the best friend of this young man, as you described with uh, your son Nicholas, um, also shot himself and killed himself. Mm -hmm. And um, a total of seven students, seven kids, mm -hmm in the same community in Harriman, Utah, uh, followed suit. It's just horrific. Yes. And it, it never solves the problem. I mean, even never. The, the singer Sinead O'Connor said, suicide doesn't solve your problems. It only makes them infinitely, uncountably worse. Yeah. My, uh, my thing that I like to tell people is, you know, suicide doesn't end the pain. It only transfers it to those who loved him, mm -hmm. loved the person who, yep. who, who passed. So. So recently on the news, um, there was a story about Anderson Cooper. His mother just passed away, yeah. Gloria Vanderbilt. Yeah. And he once said, Anderson Cooper, that's the thing about suicide. Try as you might to remember how a person lived his life. You always end up thinking about how he ended it. And Absolutely. That's true, true also. Yes. Well, um, we don't want to just give a lot of statistics. I've got some um, hopeful quotations that I'm going to use as well sure. uh, in a few minutes. But yeah. um I want to mention one other story. Um, uh, sometimes suicide occurs in a family situation or a domestic situation because of domestic violence or domestic abuse. So we see a lot in the news about one family member who will kill a spouse, for example, and then take their own life. Mm -hmm. That happens a lot also. Uh, that happened in my family. Yeah. So I have a first cousin. Um, he worked for... Um, a big um, aircraft company in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, he had a good life. He was very thrifty. He saved. He and his wife retired. They moved to Florida. 
they kept sending pictures back on the internet, on Facebook, of what a wonderful time they're having. And then all of a sudden, with nobody in the family knew, um, something was wrong in the marriage. He shot and killed his wife, and then he shot and killed himself. So it was a murder-suicide. That happened last year. Yeah, wow. And, um, you know, it was obviously a shock in our family to hear that. Sorry about that. Well, well, thank you. But, um, you know, so we hear stories about that a lot, and um, it's it's really difficult. There's been so many stories in the paper lately. I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, veterans, uh, Washington Post, I happened to pick up a Washington Post in December of last year, 2018, and it says, as veteran suicides climb, uh, the VA has been spending less money on outreach to try to help solve the problem. And uh, veteran suicide is a serious problem too, isn't it, Brian? Oh, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, there's actually uh, 22 veterans a day. Uh, some numbers say 25, but 22 veterans a day take their own life and, and one uh, active duty service member a day. That's um, over 9,000 uh, veterans a year. You know, they, part of this, again, it's, it's, it's PTSD, it's, it's trauma, head traumas. A lot of them have sustained head traumas, sure. sometimes unbeknownst to them. You know, this is not, again, I, I really try to break it down to a medical thing, you know, where this is a brain situation. These, these conditions are treatable. These conditions are, you know, um, manageable, you know, and it, it's just if we would get the resources along with the uh, courage of the people and along with society to uh, change our view of, you know, when someone is suffering from a certain condition, we don't ostracize them or, mm-hmm. or stigmatize them about that. You know what I mean? If I told you I had a heart condition or a pacemaker or diabetes and I had a, you know, insulin pack or any of those things, no judgment would be put upon me, you know. But yet if I said I think about, you know, I hear voices or I, you know, think about taking my life or I'm sad all the time, you know, people would especially men, and this is why men, male suicides, again, are higher, you know, would uh, say, oh, come on, suck it up, deal with it. Like it's something that you're supposed to overcome on your own. And so, and it's just not. Um, but the good news is there is a positive light in all of this is that, again, these things are treatable, they're manageable. Um, we just have to start getting it right. Well, it's, it's a serious problem. Um, everybody has heard about it. Nobody thinks much about it, about it. But I read a lot of newspapers, mm-hmm. and I save a lot of articles, and I've been saving articles for uh, preparing for the time that you and I would come back on the show together. Yep. And I just want to go through a couple of things. It's, it's not just – it's average people. It's not just famous people. Um, here's an article from Thursday, uh, June 14, 2018, one year ago, and it has a picture of Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, Robin Williams, and David Foster Wallace, and – it says the mystery around middle age suicides. So it's all categories, but especially it's concerning with the young people. What it says in this article is that the top four conditions associated with an increased risk for suicide are depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes, But they're absolutely. all brain-related in some absolutely. fashion, aren't they? Absolutely. This is a medical condition. And until we start looking at it as a medical condition, uh, and then we'll make real progress in, in combating it. Mm-hmm. You know? And again, there you have four people who are, by most uh, people's opinions, were 
very successful. Yes. Didn't think to have anything, you know, uh, that they could be upset about. You know, happy people, you know, they, they appeared on the outside. But, you know, brain conditions, just like heart conditions and cancer, don't discriminate. Right. You know, and until you've, I, I can't identify with it, Ray, you know, and, and perhaps you can't either. But, you know, until you know the level of excruciating pain that, that these people are in, you know, and the desire just to end it, you know, um, and to stop that pain that they just don't think it's ever going to get better. So when you get frustrated by the, you know, the process or, you know, or people tell you this, that this is something that is your fault or something that mm -hmm. you, know, you should be able to handle on your own, then you say, well, you know, it's, I guess I just have to not live anymore. You know? Well, I want people to know that the, um, the problem is here. The problem is not going to go away quickly. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, the articles that I'm mentioning, uh, I've got, I've got 15 different articles here, and they're all fairly current. June of 2018, my mom's suicide was preventable. Uh, November 30, 2018, USA Today, suicide overdoses rise as life expectancy falls. Um, Wall Street Journal again on April 28, 2019, mm -hmm. the empty promises of suicide prevention. You, you can hardly go a week or so without finding Absolutely. an article now about suicide. Right. In suicide prevention. What I did find recently interesting was an article in January of this year, 2019, called, um, also from the Wall Street Journal, A Path to Suicide Prevention. And they're talking about a particular kind of behavioral therapy helping patients handle their emotions. I guess one message I'd like to give uh, for today, Brian, is, um, is fairly simple, and that is if anybody listening has thought about suicide, has somebody in their family who's thought about suicide and talked to you about it, um, get some help. Don't just do nothing. And give a call to our office. Uh, we have access to a lot of resources. We can uh, give you information. Uh, call us at 508-998-8858, and we'll give you the sources that you might need. Um, but don't, don't do nothing. There's always something you can do. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if, if you get turned away at any point, place or they tell you you can't take your insurance or any of these other reasons, you know, St. Luke's Hospital is always, uh, they will, won't turn anybody away. Um, and they actually do a very good job of, of uh, treating these situations. Um, you, if you're a veteran, you have the Veterans Transition House, uh, the VA, mm -hmm. um, and uh, Mission 22 actually is doing a lot of work in the area. It's a national organization, but they have local chapters. And uh, Mission 22 has a lot of, they partner with a lot of programs, you know, to provide veterans with um, either comfort animals or disability, you know, if they have a disability, animals, um, counseling, there's, um, uh, you know, pills, not not medical pills, what is it, like uh, therapy or therapy something? pills yep. that you can take, like natural, all natural, like over yep. the, you know, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the, the word, but um, that you can take, you know, so they partner with a lot of different groups that are combating PTSD. Okay. And, and brain trauma illness. Uh, like organic and natural things exactly. and so yep. forth. Supplements, that's the word I was looking for. Oh, yeah. okay. Yep. Yeah, I take supplements my every day oh. um, for different kinds of things. Well, um, Desmond Tutu once said, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. Mm -hmm. So we've got a lot of information about, you know, hopeful quotations. Um, one of my favorite spokespeople in the world mm -hmm. Uh, was uh, Winston Churchill. I mm -hmm. admired him a lot. But this is in the area that you can't just give people quotes and platitudes. Mm 
right. because it's an illness that's taking place. Typically. Absolutely, but I will say hope is the most important factor. Okay. If you give somebody hope that there is uh, some type of recovery in their future, that will put the sui- will put suicidal thoughts off long enough to, for them to get treatment. That's all we're looking for. We're mm-hmm. looking to you know put off the suicide in in time for the treatment. But. Well, here's a quote from Magic Johnson on that same subject. He said, all kids need is a little help, a little hope in somebody who believes in them. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's not a magic bullet, obviously. Yep. Um, maybe that's not a good analogy either. Winston Churchill said, never, never, never give up. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, again, you can't just say that to somebody. Uh, you need to get help. And any medical doctor that you might right. go to, if you ask the doctor and you say, I'm concerned about my son, I'm concerned about my mm-hmm. wife, I'm concerned about this, they will help you get assistance also. Absolutely. So you have to do that. Yep. Um, well, um, I want to say basically, Brian, that um, as we're getting near the end of our show today, that um, there are many, many things that people can do. Uh, this is a serious problem. It's a serious problem for veterans I've got articles going back to 2016, and even at that point, they're saying veterans' suicide rate was seen at 20 people per day. I mean, that's an incredible number. Yep. Yeah, we, uh, you know, 1% of the population is a veteran, yet we account for 7.5% of the homeless population and over 10% of the mental, mentally ill. Uh, you know, 30% of Iraqi and Afghan war veterans you know, are coming back with brain-related you know, trauma. I didn't realize yeah. it was that high. 30%. Yeah, you're talking about, you know, close to, uh, you know, 200,000 individuals or whatever. So, um, but again, uh, there is, for the people who seek it out, the treatment outright, there is success. You know, we just need to encourage people to, to do that. Are there, are there always warning signs? There's not always warning signs, I would assume. Uh, you know, the, the warning signs, again, it, it's it's tough. I wouldn't say there's never warning signs. Some of them are tough to, to tell prior to people. So they're very good at, you know, concealing. Hiding. Yeah, and stuff because they know. And, again, it's the stigma and it's the judgment, you know, um, of people, you know. Giving away possessions. Or yes, giving away possessions, absolutely. Yep, yep. Maybe being I, preoccupied with death. But yes. typically you may not have access to your, your child's website. Right. Or their Facebook account, or they may have shut you out of right. it, for example. Yep. Uh, certainly signs of depression. But um, there are youth suicide prevention programs. Uh, do something and, mm-hmm. and take some action. Right. Talk to a doctor in particular. And um, Well, although suicides are up in the United States, they're actually down worldwide. Um, and uh, there's been a lot of work done with two very at-risk uh, groups, which were um, – Asian women and uh, I guess it would be Russian or that area males, mm-hmm. you know, were very high on, on in suicides. And a lot of work has been done in those two areas uh, to reduce. And it's actually so suicide actually has gone down 15 percent worldwide wow. while at the same time going but up in the United up States. up in the U.S. Yeah. So it is a problem here. Yep. Well, Brian, I want to thank you for everything you've done. Um, I want to say... Happy birthday, Nicholas. Yeah, absolutely. Happy birthday, uh, Nick. Today, June 19th. Um, thank you for being here on this very mm-hmm. special day. Thank you for sharing uh, the pain and the difficulty that you and your family ha- have gone through. <clears throat> yep. 
I want to leave you with a couple of simple quotations. Can I, can I share sure, two numbers please. first before I do? Yep. Okay, so the, the suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255 or 1-800-273-TALK. If you're a veteran, you push one. Uh, Congress is actually working on legislation to to simplify that number. Uh, some states use 311. We do have 311 here in Massachusetts, but we don't use it as a suicide hotline. It's, okay. a, it's a non-emergency way to contact the government. But anyway, they are working on that. The other one is the National Veterans Foundation has a vet-to-vet hotline. It's been around since 1985. Uh, so when you call, you actually get another veteran. Mm-hmm. And that's 1-888-777-4443. Well, thank you for that, Brian. Thank you for being with us. And if you can't remember all these numbers or you're driving and can't write them down, uh, Brian's going to give me a copy of all that. And you can call our office anytime, and we're happy to give that to you. I want to leave you with uh, three quick thoughts. Um, There is something you must always remember. You are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. From Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) Not a great quote, Winnie the Pooh. And then two others. Uh, This is from Henry uh, Wadsworth Longfellow, famous American poet. There is no grief like the grief that does not speak. Absolutely. One final quotation I want to leave you with, um, ladies and gentlemen, and again, a big thank you to Brian Fernandes for being with us today. And we wept that one so lovely should have a life so brief. That was from William Cullen Bryant. Amen. So, Brian, um, thank you, brother. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. And uh, thank you for being here on this uh, memorable day for you. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll see you on the radio next week.